This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding, and I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Hey, Jim. Hi, Brian. We're going to jump right in here in just a minute. Before we do that, uh, if you have not gone to iTunes and wrote, written a review for us on the podcast, please do that. We uh, we read those and try to get that feedback, and we're encouraged by the good ones, and we try to grow from the bad ones. Although there haven't been a ton of bad ones, I guess, have their gems. So, hey. so you know, but either way, you speak your mind. Be honest. <laughs> go to go write us a review. And also, you can go to practicalshepherding.com, and you can uh, contact us through that. Even if you have a podcast topic you'd like us to tackle, you can. that's the best way to reach us. Or you can find us on social media and write us that way, so we get requests. And, and if you like too. a podcast, maybe share a link through your own social media. There you go. That's right. Especially Let some other people become aware of it. If there's been an episode that's been helpful. But uh, we want to jump in, as we normally do. And this topic we want to talk about today is, is important uh, because... Every pastor is trying to walk this line of how do we, Jim, how do we address issues in the world and in the church publicly from the pulpit? And when is it good to to not just talk about these things, but, but call things out when there's mm-hmm. a need to call things out and yet not become one of those guys that just seems to be just going on tirades about everything, whether it's on social media, they do it, or whether it's in the pulpit, and they just make it a habit of just calling people out all the time in a really unhelpful way. We want to find the, the balance of that. We want to acknowledge these two extremes that exist, and that pastors are called to be able to speak truth, especially for the sake of protecting the flock that God's cared for them. So, Jim, I don't know how we begin to think about this idea biblically as we want to nuance this. Yeah, well, Brian, I think we have to begin by acknowledging that there is a biblical tension here. There is a, on yep. the one hand and on the other. Uh, certainly guys who have what you might call discernment ministries. Uh, and some I love of these, that title, by the way. <laughs> yeah, use discernment. Let me just say, use discernment when utilizing discernment That's ministries. like, I'm an entrepreneur when people ask you, like, what are you? I'm a discernment guy. Yeah, I, I yeah. That, that's my. So learning. I have the ability to see into nuance and find fault in what everybody is saying, no matter how good a man they might be. So I think there are some that I have. I, I use the term spec inspectors, and I take that out of the Sermon on the Mount when like Jesus that. says, "You need to be careful when you're looking at specks in the eyes of your brother when you have a log in your own eye." And so there can be this obsession, and Paul talks about, and he, and he criticizes this, obsession over certain words, over certain concepts, and arguing about whether it's genealogies or this or that. And and he even talks about some of these things. It, may, it might have the appearance of wisdom. You might seem to be. you know. And then you have, on the other hand, uh, you have this uh, in the Scripture. So, there, I mean, there are things to be warned about. So let me, let me also say this is actually on the same hand you also have on the same hand so you warnings about not being that overly critical jerk right and then you have the exhortations uh for instance second timothy 2 24 and a servant of the lord must not quarrel but be gentle to all able to teach patient in humility correcting those who are in opposition if god perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth. And then you have James's statement about the wisdom that from, is from above is, is peaceable, it's gentle, it's willing to yield, et cetera. It's quick to hear. We're quick to hear, slow to speak. Right. I think that may be one of the big things we need to come back to, quick to hear, slow to speak. 
But then, Brian, we are told uh, that we are to be watchmen and we are to not just feed the flock, we are to guard the flock. Right. And not every influence, not every philosophy or theology or ideology or teacher or preacher is good and healthy and helpful. And so we read about in Jude. Jude said, hey, I wanted to come and write about nothing more than our common salvation. But I felt compelled to write to you to contend earnestly for the faith. He said, for certain people have crept in unaware who are transforming the grace of God into licentiousness and denying the Lordship of Christ. They've crept in unaware. Mm -hmm. There are people sometimes whose ministries need to be exposed. Jesus does it to the churches, uh, the seven churches. That's right. He names certain doctrines and certain practices. He said, there are doctrines that I hate that are out there. And, and the and the warning was there were churches that maybe because they wanted to be good and positive and loving and, and, and have all that vibe that didn't warn when a virus was in the congregation. They didn't warn when there was a wolf there, Paul told the Ephesian elders to watch out for them, you know, watch out among themselves because some of them were going to exalt themselves in yep. part of this. So uh, Paul also he told the Romans they needed to mark and name divisive people. Right uh, after a, a degree of warning, uh, we are told about Hymenaeus and Philetus and so and name, others name actual yeah, names actually people, right? name names, yep. and, and so sometimes. Brian, to be a faithful shepherd to our sheep, we need to talk about things that are out there in our society that are influencing our church. There are teachers that might have the ears of our people. There are philosophies, ideologies, theologies, or practices that have the temptation to to be imbibed and to become poison and to lead someone astray. Hmm. Uh, from the faith and out of love and zeal uh, for the safety and security and the soul and the health and well-being of the truth and theology and the lives of the people that are entrusted to your care. You know, so part of it is you need to know, okay, is this thing that's out there? And and we could get into some specifics. So years ago, things like, you know, whether it's like a book like The Shack that a lot of professing Christians were reading, or Jesus calling, that has some troubling mm. theology. Um, does anybody in your, is, is, is anybody in your church affected? Mm-hmm. Is anybody reading this? If they're not, you might make a passing reference to it. If they are, you're going to need to decide, do I address this privately, or do I address this publicly? Is this a hand-on-the-shoulder issue, or is this a bullhorn issue? Before, you know, those kinds of things. Before, I really well articulated, actually very helpful. And before we get into those details, I just want to highlight what you said was was great because you you, you gave us biblical examples of the two extremes with yeah. what Jesus confronts and yet Paul's call to be gentle and in and, and the ways that you articulated. But I think what was most helpful is that middle ground idea of the watchman. Mm-hmm. Like that, that imagery to me as, as I was listening to you, I think is is particularly just right on in mm. how we try to find the balance. That's really what we want to accomplish with this conversation is what's the balance we find to not be the guy Jesus crit- criticizes, 
and to be the guy that that Paul is is uh, advocating that pastors are supposed to be, mm-hmm. and yet that doesn't mean. But, but Paul, the same person, was calling people out by name and warning against the wolves to come in and devour the flock and all those kinds of things. So I just want to highlight that the watchman idea I think is particularly helpful. Just that imagery and what is the right path. The, the posture of pastors in the in balancing this particular idea, don't you think that that that's really uh, yeah? The I agree, part and, of it? and it's part again, Brian. If we are a broken record on anything, it is shepherd the flock that's among you. Yeah, it's know your flock, know your people. Uh, it, there are certain pastors. I'm going to be bold to say this, Brian. I think there 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 are certain pastors right now who are harping on certain matters. I'll I'll put it with this maybe degree of vagary that it may be a danger, but it's not a danger in their to church. their flock, yep, that's right. Uh, my, you know, my church right now is not in any great danger of having a bunch of women preachers. You know, I, my, my daughter jokes about it every once in a while. When I was, I, I was sick this past weekend. She said, hey, Dad, I could come preach for you or something like that. Well, that's a ha-ha-ha. You know, that's not really going to happen. It's not in great danger. My... my there's not a whole lot of Beth Moore books in my kind. In fact, I don't think there's a single Beth Moore book among any of my people. Yeah. And so for me to like rail week after week, Beth Moore, Beth Moore, you know, whatever is like, that's not pastoring my flock. Yeah. Now right. it might be for another guy's flock that that's a heavy influence. So that's the difference between saying, you know, so, or if, if my flock is made up of, uh, mostly, uh, white Southerners, uh, probably, the 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 insidious nature of some some of the insidiousness of, of aspects of critical race theory might not be like a real danger to them yeah. and and what i could do is find myself and and so whether back in the past a preacher hollywood homosexuals you know the the the, the communists i don't have any communist in my church yeah uh, I don't. I don't have anybody transitioning. I don't have anybody. And I'm not to say that those things can't be mentioned or referenced, but it's not where my flock is 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 living. And sometimes it's easy to slay the monsters, the boogeyman monsters that are out there, rather than the real monsters that are in our own hearts or that are in our flock. Well, that's a really excellent point that you made because that that's a really good distinction that needs to be made. What do we need to address that is in the name of protecting our own flock? Because what what you said happens often. We get pastors get on their soapbox, whatever that is, to preach this or to preach against that, and it's not in it's not a danger at all to their flock. They in a sense they do it because they know they're preaching to the choir. They they do it because right. they they can stir people up to to agree with them in in a way. Yeah. And and I think that's really something important. That pastors need to be. You know, aware of a lot of times we're we're preaching these things, and it's it's kind of to rally the troops around what we all agree on already. And that's right. not what it, we're talking it, about right. at and all. And that's not it. Doesn't take any courage to address a hard issue that everybody already well, agrees. No, on. but it's it's this is interesting topic because it has the deception of courage, but it it's does. really not. Right, right, it's really right, not. Right. It's not for me to to rail on the things I know you care about even maybe more than than I do in regard to the culture and other things. What what takes courage and pastoral wisdom is what do I address that's maybe a danger to my flock that's right. going to actually upset people in the flock right. um, that, that I'm caring for. And that's part of warning people around these things. 
So I think that's a helpful. I think that's a helpful distinction. Yeah, and again, I think part of it we get back to Brian. You need to know your flock, and if if you have if you're pastoring a bunch of college kids, I pastor mostly a bunch of homeschool kids. But if you're pastoring a bunch of kids in secular college and secular university, they may need to be inoculated against because they're going to be hearing certain things and hearing things about Christianity. And so again, you need to know that. But if that's not your flock, right. and and or again, if this is the constant refrain of your ministry, again, there are whole ministries that are given over to people scrutinizing the the, the statements or misstatements of of in some cases good men who may have misspoken or good men who not everything they say is right and true, but does to take all your time saying, I'm good, I'm safe, I should be listened to, and everybody else out there is not. I think that that can be, that can be a real danger. And Brian, and I say this as somebody who, I had some of that, in, in particularly in the early days of my ministry. Now, I, I could go back and say, well, it was warranted. I, I, I was here in Louisville during the days where it was, it was liberal, and it was, and it was of the church growth movement stuff was out there, and the marketing of Christianity. That's why you planted here, right? In That's why I place. planted here, and we were raising a flag, and we were saying we are not that. Yeah, but part of my the emphasis regularly, and I used to use a phrase, so-called churches, you know, and so-called ministries, and so, you know, and I realized that it just, it, it began to have such a, the tone of it was, it wasn't helpful, and it wasn't yeah. edifying, yeah. and often it wasn't gracious, and it, and, and if a guy wasn't reformed enough, I can remember once, I'll say this, you know, because I'm, I'm calling out myself on this. <laughs> You know, somebody uh, somebody said, uh, "Oh, I go to another, a different Reformed Baptist church here," and I'm like, "No, you don't. You know, they're not confessional. They don't hold to this 1689. I know those guys, and I know they deny. You know, and rather than rather than rejoicing with what was there, yeah, and what was there was so much better than what had been before. Yep, I was ready to fight." Uh, in, in this way, and in, in, in there was a, a pugilism to me uh, in calling out and in, in, in calling out others. And part of the effect of that was it made us feel good about ourselves, and it made us look down on others. And that's yeah. that's actually part of the condemnation of the Pharisees. They justify themselves that they are righteous yep. and look down on others. That's that's one of the descriptions. And Brian, that was me. So mm-hmm. so who are you talking about in some of this? Jim, name names. I want to name one of the names. Jim Savastio was one of the names. I, I did that. Yeah, and and I can I can confess to going the other way, that I avoiding some things for the sake. You know, I, when you when you do ministry in a hard place where there's a lot of hostility, you come out of that hostility. Uh, I went through a I went through about a two three year span when we finally came out of all of that, where I didn't want to talk about anything controversial publicly. Right. I just I just wanted some peace. For a little right. bit, so I can actually, I can actually acknowledge and going the other way, and uh, and and having to recognize that and start to realize, okay, these are some things I actually have to have to talk about you know, within our church, and so it, it is, it's a it's a balancing act, but I, we want to encourage pastors to realize you almost need to know: are you more prone to want to fight and argue, 
Are you more prone to want to keep right. the peace? I think that's kind of the starting point. I think the exhortation in Romans, though, is a helpful way to find that watchman balance. And that's, I mean, it's just to, to, tr- to, to try to be at peace with all men right. is, a, is just a good admonition. So if we're trying to be at peace with all men, then we need a reason to step out and maybe put a flag in the ground like you're talking about in a good way. And for this, and for the sake of our flock, I think that's another really important distinction in this conversation. Because, like you said, in the age of of social media, I mean, you can, you know, you see people on Twitter calling people out on things that you know have no risk of harming their their flock in some way. But it's it's the soapbox they want to like, still go after. Yeah, I mean, way. it's not to say that they're not criticized. I mean, some some guys, but but they have their own audience they play to, and among their own audience, it's safe. Yep. That's and, right. and I think that where real courage comes is is in the ability, and you know, is when you call out your own your own, and and what your own is. So for me, it's my own. My own is my own. You know, reformed confessional culture, uh, and I am theologically right there. I am I, I am a strong confessional guy. Have been for uh, decades. I uh, but. I have found in that culture that there is uh, where uh, a pugilistic, and for if you have to look that up, but you know that's a boxer. Yeah. Uh, the the chip on the shoulder that we're always marginalized, you know, uh, almost pity us, and and the enemy's always out there, and an unwillingness to maybe address sometimes our own theological pride. Brian, it's I mean that there is as much pride among Calvinists as they is, as there is is. It's it's one of the it's it's a very it's a shocking and sad thing and, and we are given I mean there's a lot of us there are a lot of us and guys I'm gonna I'm gonna put myself in with it's us it, it, it is that we like a good fight and uh, we like to expose and again there are times when that's good and right there are times that that needs to be there are things in society and there are doctrinal waves in the church. You know, Paul was unashamed, and in, in when when the doc when the gospel was on the line, I mean, he went tooth and nail with the Galatians, and he was. And, and when there were some false teachers who talked about circumcision, he said, "I hope they cut the whole thing off." That you know, he'd probably get pretty strongly criticized on if he put that as a tweet. You know, <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, so uh, so I want to say that that you know, hearing you describe that in your background, I I just want to say because I've known you a long time, like. Like you have mellowed through the years, though, in a in, in a good way, I think, because I don't, I haven't watched you shift on your convictions at all. Right. I've just watched you find this balance, I think, better than what you. So what you're articulating, you were at at one time years ago. Uh, I, I think I've watched you uh, mellow in a gracious way, and I think you have served your, you know, your tribe that, for lack of a better term, that you're involved with, that you're connected with all these years. I think you served them well as an example of somebody who can still hold to these convictions, but but a gracious and wise way to to approach those things. Yeah, I mean, Brian, years ago, I realized I was preaching about something, and I, I so there's a big church here in town. I'll, I'll go say the name, Southeast Christian. Uh, big church here in town, uh, and uh, it, they were a favorite target of mine. You know, they would do different things I thought were stupid, and 
and of course, I realized at one point is I'm I'm calling them out for whatever they were doing, Hollywood Month or something like that. Oh, there's a church down there. Everybody's going. It's all about movies. Yeah. This it's all about, and they're showing clips from movies and all of this, and people are like laughing or rolling their eyes or like, oh, we don't do that. And I thought to myself, what good is this? Yeah. I mean, what what am yeah. I really? I what am I serving here other than that? Aren't I better? And aren't we better? Yeah. And I thought there's nobody here from there. If I wanted to say that in a helpful way, I would try to arrange a lunch or a breakfast with one of their pastors yeah. and say, brother, I saw you're doing this. I don't think this is a wise way. I mean, preach the word. For crying out loud, brother, just preach the word. No. You don't need gimmicks. But I preach. think you're right. I think it's you know, a good, and, good and that was, and, and I realized, okay, I am, I, I am at times too easy on our own cultural sins of the reform community and too hard on the stuff. Again, it's out there. It's not to say that it's right. I'm not saying it's, I'm not giving it a pass. I'm simply saying that that's not my flock. Yep. And and under certain doesn't settings, affect, doesn't affect and it, them. it's not affecting yeah. my people. It's not yeah. affecting their happiness, their well-being. Yeah. They're not crying out for, hey, Jim, how come we're not doing Hollywood Month? You know, they're not. There's nothing. Right. None of that was going on. So, so let's let's do so, this. Let's do this as a, as this kind of final segment, and that's let's maybe just throw topics out there that because we you know you mentioned the shack that was you know that yeah. was a long time ago but a good example but i meant we, shaquille o'neal by the way <laughs> no, right yeah so i think we we should highlight maybe some some things that are current or maybe that we would foresee are on the horizon that pastors are actually going to have to in general will have to address in some way right um as as a means of protecting truth and protecting protecting the flock. So, um, I mean, I'll, I'll go first. I think, you know, I think the transgender things um, are is going to become more and more relevant for every church to have to address. Some are having to be affected more than others at this point. But you know, I mean, I, I you know, I have kids in public school, and I'm involved in the community. Like this is right. Th- th- this is something that five years ago. I think there's a a good bit of churches that kind of it would have been preaching to the choir to even talk about this stuff, but um, but I think that now yeah. it's it's becoming yeah. it's becoming more and more relevant that that pastors are are going to have to address it in regard to truth, but find a way to address it in a way that's that 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 is gracious and loving to people as well. Yeah, I agree, Brian, and I I said something earlier about that. Yeah, I, that it's it's it is and isn't an issue. It's 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 an issue because it's in our society. But and I think uh, particularly among younger people, who if, if your younger people are going to secular universities and they're in public high school, they are being indoctrinated, yep. and they are going to be told that what you're hearing from Christian pulpits is not just hateful; it's dangerous. It's leading to people's death. It's a life and death situation, and people need to be commended and and coddled and and all of the rest. So I I, I agree. I think that that is one. But again, I think that we are far more likely to have to deal with things like uh, sexual abuse in our own churches yeah. or pornography. Yeah. And if and if we rail against the one and never talk about the other, uh, I, I was part of a I'm part of a board of a of a, a seminary, and we had this conversation because we were drafting things about the sexual revolution about making sure that we're clear on where we stand, but we had nothing about sex abuse in the church, nothing about abuse of children, nothing about spousal abuse. And I just said, are we more likely to have a student who looks at porn or who abuses a kid or who beats his wife than a guy who wants to become a woman? And we just again have to be realistic about, 
you know, where we're, yeah. I mean, all of it's condemn, condemn worthy. The one you, you, you really are. I mean, it's going to, it is going to take increased bravery in a way that it didn't five years ago Yeah, right. to address these sins in a way. Cause, Cause some now are like, Oh, just, just don't talk about it at all. Just let's, let's, yeah, we know what you think, but let's let it skate. So yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. Um, critical race theory, Brian. Okay. Uh, yeah. and, and issues relating to race, uh, racism, race, white nationalism, QAnon, uh, critical race theory, yeah. the Confederacy. Uh, sometimes, and you know, perhaps would all have to be hot button issues in some place. And sometimes you can get away without ever having to discuss it. Uh, maybe nobody really wants to have it discussed. They're very happy to not have you deal with it. Uh, but sometimes it becomes an elephant in the room, and it may depend, Brian, I think this is another issue, what are you preaching on? There are certain things that you're going to preach on. You know, So a guy preaching through Titus, I, I, I referenced Titus 2 in our last podcast, right, right, I think, right. and uh, part of that is he's, he's talking about the responsibilities of Christian slaves. Mm-hmm. You're going to preach to that, you're going to have to come to you're going to have to talk not just about Roman slavery 2,000 years ago. It's right there. You're, you're going to have to address something like that. Or you're going to preach through Ephesians 6. You're going to have to deal with something like that. Preaching through Deuteronomy. And there's all this talk about oppression, 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 uh, the marginalized and the oppressed, uh, taking care, making sure that, that widows, orphans are cared for, that they have a voice, that they're not overlooked. That kind of thing. You're going to be. You're going to. De- you're going to have to deal with some yeah. stuff. And 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 because yeah, some are going to say, "Hey, that Jim, you sound like a commie. You know, or this sounds like socialism, or this sounds like well." And, and how do you how do you navigate those things? I would say one of the, one of the steps of courage I've watched pastors step into. I mean, CRT is it's not just about CRT. It's like you said, it's about the bigger race issue. It's about how to, how to, the Bible right. deals with those who are oppressed and marginalized and those kind of things. But um, it, it's for a, for a pastor to address uh, race issues in a church that's, you know, hundred percent white, like that, that takes courage to do that. And I think, but I do think that's something that's going to need to be addressed. Not just this idea of kind of the, what I think has become a boogeyman of CRT in some, some different settings, but actual you know actual race issues in the church and having to to think through those and you know challenge people even though there may not be anybody who's not white in the church well, it's, it's got to be challenged and, even on, and, and in a sense an african-american pastor needs to maybe sometimes expose some of the sins that, that may be involved in in a response and and, and that that takes an awful lot of courage to be able yeah. to do i think those and, are the tricky things and, though and, and you, yeah right and because you're going to be dealing with and this is the reality of it you have some who say there is basically essentially there is no more racism in america and others who say it's everywhere right and uh and you have believers on th- you know throughout the spectrum and who are very worried about each other. I mean, there's a lot of warning going on about guys on one side, you know, who are who are who have very strongly articulated CRT as a danger, and that social justice is unbiblical as it is commonly proposed. And you have others who say, "I think that I think we need to listen. That there are some voices here that we need to listen, and we need to recognize that you know your experience is not everyone's experience, and there are some things still going on in society." And so again, you have the you're 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 lefty, you're liberal, you're a commie, you're a racist, 
And that's very unhelpful. I think in a lot of these ways, if brothers would talk to each other, they'd probably find they're a lot closer. I agree. And, and again, that's I think we have to ask, to are, we, are, are we talking about brothers? Are we talking about gospel-preaching brothers who differ? Or is it where there is a diff, truly a different gospel? Where there's truly a different gospel, whether it is an American-first gospel of self-help and you know all of that that has little to do with Christ and Christianity— or it is the victim card with everything, and it's all about correcting social ills. You know, both of those are distortions of the gospel. Here's my last one I'll throw out there, I think is going to have to be addressed in a way that it's not still being addressed well in churches, and I think it's in, in the name of protecting the flock. And that is kind of harsh, narcissistic, abusive leadership in mm-hmm. the church. Uh, it's It's not being talked about. It's starting to be talked about more now. But and it's actually coming out. I think because of all the sex abuse stuff that's that's come out, and it has it has revealed the the tie to often a lot of that kind of stuff. But I think that's one of the things that um, needs to be talked about more, and that pastors are going to have to address in talking about. It's like the sex abuse. Talking about it can can kind of take the you know, the air out of the sails in a sense of it continue to fester in a church. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things you and I have learned from from others uh, that I know in regard to the, to the sex abuse issues and caring for kids in the churches, publicly talk about that, you know, talk about this stuff. But, you know, we, you know, I've, I've been taught by others that as I've been learning about this, that, that pedophiles actually target churches and try to find the places where they don't talk about this stuff publicly. They they don't. Yeah. You know, it's an it's an environment that allows them to be safe. An abuse of a grace based culture. That's right. So I, I I think that addressing some of these issues, talking publicly about some of these, things, I think it's about truth. I also think it's about protecting protecting children. Protect you know, like you said, talking about you know talking about spousal abuse in the church is I I can I'll confess I I did not talk about that as much as it needed to be talked about. In yeah. our church, I'll, I'll be the first and, and to you and you that. actually had some some situations where that took place in your I, church. I did, but I think when you call when you it's one you of those things right. you call out publicly. It, it, it you not only are confronting potentially, you know, men who are who are abusing their wives in some way and that's hidden, but you also potentially let that wife know that that's not okay. Come yeah. come talk to one of us. And so, in regard to abuse, I think that's one of the things that is is not being talked about because the the leaders are the ones that often are trying to protect these kinds of hidden things in the church. Right. And then Brian, there's the other thing too now of of, of jumping on a cultural bandwagon and this this and and this is this this can be equally a problem where you ignore some of the clear texts and scriptures about male leadership or about a, a wife's submission to her husband because because that can be abused. Pastoral abuse can take place. And that can be a swing to say, well, there should be no pastoral authority. And, and how again, how do you create an environment that is, again, so carefully guarded? And the scriptures themselves guard all of these things. And so when it tells a woman that she is to submit to her own husband is to the Lord. I mean, that's it's in the scriptures. You can't get away from that. It also tells a husband to love his wife as Christ loves the church, lay his life down for her to nurture and cherish her. Uh, pastors that, that flocks are to obey those who have the authority over them, and then being told, but then the pastors being told, you don't lord it over the flock. And both things need to be called out, right? Uh, because depending on the cultural switch shift, we can go from a place where there is the a male dominated and, and ugly patriarchy. Yeah. 
that is perpetrated by certain texts. You know, a guy saying the other day, I saw on Twitter the other day, a guy saying uh, he was calling out some, some woman or some girl for having an opinion on Twitter. And my wife doesn't do that. My wife's under my submission, and she never got on. You know, she just they're getting pregnant, wow. having babies, kind really? of a thing. And th- and that gets cheered. Yeah, right. And I watch guys who are bothered by women's voices. I, I you know, and some of these women I, I I personally know. Uh, and I think, why are you guys beating up on these homeschool moms and viewing that that you're brave? You know, uh, <laughs> I think this is a different you know, this is a different podcast. You know, that, but that's, but to. again, you you get into that, and again, well, it is cheered, and it's considered brave. Yeah. you know, yeah. and, and 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 again, I think we're that we're talking about where the balance and abuse to say, am I dealing with brothers and sisters? Am I dealing with people that that love the gospel and love Christ and who think differently than I do? Yeah. That's going to affect my tone. Uh, am I ministering with the hope that uh, of a confrontation, as, as Paul talks about in Second Timothy two, that will lead to somebody's repentance, or am I just trying to sound brave? Am I really guarding my flock, or am I promoting my own brand? Yeah. And that's the, that's the day and age in which we live. And I think those are the hard questions we need to ask ourselves: What's our motivation? What's moving us? And understanding what true courage is in loving and guarding and guiding and challenging our flock to be people of the truth. So the big takeaway, I would say, if anything, is is that, that balance that, that Jim articulated well towards the beginning, that the goal is to be a watchman. Mm-hmm. The goal is to, to be a watchman, to protect the flock is what we're called to do, uh, and to to find the balance of, of picking our battles wisely and trying to live at peace with all men, but to, but realize that we're called to shepherd the flock and protect them in whatever way that we we need to, and that every flock's different, every pastor's different. But we want to encourage you to find that balance. So, Jim, will you pray that they would find yep. that balance of the watchman? Father, we thank you for your word and for the guidance of it, and and we thank you even for those times, Lord, where we read on the one side and on the other. And, and so, Father, we want to be those gentle teachers. We also want to be those who, who, when there is danger, sound the alarm. And, Father, help us again to be wise and faithful watchmen, to guard the flock entrusted to us, we pray, for your glory, for Jesus' honor, and for the good of your people. Amen. Amen.